The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I am, I'm going to tell a little story here first, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you my title. There's a ridiculous story years ago that a lot of people heard, many of you heard it probably, it has relevance though, it's about a pilot that had three passengers on a plane that he was flying and one was a boy scout and one was an old pastor and one was an atomic scientist. And a plane developed engine trouble in the middle of the flight, and the pilot rushes back to the passenger compartment and exclaims, the plane is going down. We have only three parachutes, and there are four of us, and so I have a family waiting on me at home, and I must survive. And with that, he grabs one of the parachutes and jumps out of the plane. At that point, the atomic scientist jumps to his feet and declares, I'm the smartest man in the world. It would be a great tragedy if my life was snuffed out. And with that, He also grabs a parachute and exits the plane. With an alarmed look on his face, the old pastor says to the Boy Scout, My son, I'm an old man and I have no family left. And I'm ready to meet my master. And you are still young with much ahead of you and you take that last parachute. And with this, the Boy Scout interrupts the pastor and says, Relax, pastor. Don't say any more. We're all right. And the pastor asks, How in the world can you say that? We're all right. He said, Because the world's smartest man just jumped out of the plane wearing my knapsack. (laughs) That's a silly joke. But there's an important lesson to be derived from it. Metaphorically, there are smart people today, successful people, affluent people, who are jumping out of airplanes wearing knapsacks instead of parachutes. They're reaching for ideas and philosophies that are very appealing, but those ideas and philosophies will not save them. They're only knapsacks, not parachute. And so tonight I speak on, this is not a time for knapsack faith. If we're going to trust, we're going to trust with everything we have. We're not going to trust and hold back. We're not going to almost. It's kind of like the old man that was on the plane for the first time in his life. And when he got to the other side where his son was, his son said, Dad, how did you enjoy the flight? He said, well, I don't know, son. I never put all my weight on it. It's time for us to put all our weight on what's carrying us to the other side. Jesus is Lord of our life. He's Lord of this church. I want to make a statement here tonight that I'm going to broadside you with all night long in this study. Here it is. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. Let me say that again. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. If you believe that God's going to do something better for you, what you believe is more important than who you are. If you don't have a dime in your pocket, what you believe is more important than the fact that you're broke tonight. But also what you believe that you don't think you could ever get to that other side is more important than what you are or what you have. I want, us to, I want to tell you that your faith is the most important thing in your life tonight. And we don't need knapsack faith. We need godly faith. I want to introduce you to a man in 1 Samuel chapter 1. A certain man whose name was Elkina. 
And he was an Ephrathite, not an Ephraimite, but an Ephrathite. There's a difference. His name means whom God has acquired. And God is saying about this man, Elkina, I want this man on my team. I don't want this man on anyone else's team. I want him on mine. Elkina was a Kohathite Levite in the priestly lineage. Yet he belonged to the tribe of Ephraim. Let me explain this. The Kohathites lived around the house of God. They were part of the furniture movers when the tabernacle in the wilderness moved from one spot to another. And the Kohathites' duty was the Ark of the Covenant and the holy objects that lived around and in the Ark of the Covenant. The Levites were the ministers of the house of God. Elkanah was a part of the Levites. And his, his, the name Ephraim means fruitfulness. So here is a man who loved the ministry loved God's house, and was a blessed man. And this blessed man came yearly to a place called Shiloh to worship with his family. And he did this every year without fail. What some people do not know is that Shiloh was in shambles. Eli the priest was blind to his boys who were simply charlatans in the kingdom, Hophni and Phinehas. And in verse 17 of the first book of Samuel, the Bible said the sins of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred offering for, of the Lord. They prostituted the women of Shiloh. And when they carried the Ark of the Covenant to battle against the Philistines, it was captured by the Philistines, something that had never happened previously and never happened again. It was as if God was saying, I'd rather be with someone who did not know about me but would respect my glory than to be with people who profane my presence. Amen? The lamp of the Lord was slowly extinguishing in the place of worship. So God called Samuel, the Bible said, before the lamp went out. Shiloh was a gory, gory mess. And yet, here comes a man that the Lord had acquired and he worships God. Everybody say he worships God. He worships God in the turmoil. He worships God in all the sin of the city. While surrounded by all this profaneness, he worships. When things are not right in his home, he worships. When there's more vogue to see negative and not the positive, he still comes to worship. The church today needs people, absolute people who will still not care about what's happening around us and what's happening outside the walls of this church or maybe inside the walls of this church, but have a proposition with God. I have come tonight to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that's what I will do before I leave here tonight. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. The Bible called him a certain man. That word certain carries two connotations. One means definite or particular as a certain person. And the other means to know without a doubt, to have a settled and certain opinion about things. The church is in need of people who are definite and are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what happens and what's going on around us, no matter who's messing up in or out of the church, no matter what the score is, no matter what's happening in our country, no matter what the circumstances are at my house, I'm coming to CLC, the house of God, 
to worship, to worship, to worship. The Holy Ghost has told me tonight to tell you that we need to start this summer season off with a good old hand clap and a good old hallelujah and a praise the Lord and a thank you, Jesus, because there's nothing takes the place, come on, of true worship in the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be spirit-filled tonight because that's what I am. I make no excuses for it, nor do I apologize about it. Elkanah live by principles. People who live by principles are people who are victorious. His first principle that he lived by was he lived above sea level. He lived above sea level. He refused to let what he saw and what was happening in Shiloh and at home and in the world stop his worship and hinder his faith. The Bible states that the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. I have talked to people who have told me, Pastor, I have seen too much in church to worship God. There's too many hypocrites come. There's too many people that fail. There's there's people that are not truthful. There's problems. But the one that rings most in my ear that bothers me is, Pastor, I have seen people, good people, not healed in the house of God. I have witnessed the good die young. I have seen cancers destroy lives. I've seen heart ailments come to wonderful people and death take my loved ones away and many times early in life. And these people that tell me that are good people, but they don't live above sea level. Everything they see brings a negative and takes them away from their worship. This world, folks, is a negative place. And five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation 2 and 3 had to repent because the spirit of the world got inside the church and started changing how they operated in the house. I declare here tonight, I want the inner force of this church to push back on the world that's trying to take over the people of God. And this will be a place of worship. This will be a place of worship. We must worship the King of Kings. We must worship the Lord of Lords. He desires and deserves our very best. Hallelujah. 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 The world is a negative place. Jeremiah said in Lamentation 3, my eye affected my heart. There was a young man used to worship here. I've told this story before and he breaks my heart every time I talk about him because he's one of the most pure young men I've ever known in my life. He had a sister who was mentally challenged. And he made a request for her in every service. We used to take prayer requests. He'd raise his hand, my sister, my sister. But she, for some reason, was never healed. And one day, she was not a member here, but she was never healed by his request. He walked just walked away from God. I saw him later, and he said, are you still preaching healing? I said, I am. He said, are you still preaching that God can do it? I said, I really am. He said, I wish I could, wish I could stay and talk to you, but I can't because I walked away because he didn't do it for me. Let me remind you that faith comes by hearing. Yeah. 
and hearing by the word of God. It never has and it never will come by sight. Someone tell this preacher to keep on preaching right now. Because I may not see it today. I will keep believing that tomorrow it will come to pass. Because my children are not saved now. I will not stop believing that they will be saved. Because somebody has not been healed in my family yet. I will keep believing that that healing will come. Because somebody has not been delivered from alcohol and drugs in my family yet. I will continue believing that it will happen in my life. Faith comes by hearing. Job said, my eye is dim by reason of sorrow. Sorrow affects your sight. It colors everything you look at. It is stated beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, though. So if my eye is dim by reason of sorrow, then my spirit eye must be clear by reason of joy. Everybody say, the joy joy of the Lord Lord is our strength. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. Everything on earth is dictated by sea level, S-E-A, sea level. If you live below sea level, you're in danger of constant flood, constant loss, constant fear, no natural drainage, no natural waste release. Everything has to be forced out, pumped out. Example was New Orleans when Katrina came, below sea level living. However, there is a natural cleansing when you get above S-E-A, sea level, sea level. So it is with spiritual sea level. Remember, the eyes will affect your heart. So Elkanah came to Shiloh saying, I don't understand everything that's going on. And there's some things I can't correct about that person or that person or that person. But I know one thing. I have come to worship. I have come to worship. And I think what hell wants us to look at is other people that maybe profane the presence of God. Walk in this house because this house is an open house. And there's people that walk in this house and profane his presence. But because his presence is being profaned by one person does not mean that everybody ought to hush and watch that person. That's what hell tries to make us do. Jesus is greater than anybody in this house. And he's worthy of praise from everybody in this house. And the people that profane will be eliminated and the people that praise will stay. Amen. Let's start this summer praising the Lord with everything that's in us. Come on. Let's worship him. Clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. You need to say it like this. I can't figure this world out, Pastor. I don't know what will happen in the political world tomorrow. Washington is in a mess. I wish someone would handle the ISIS crisis. I wish morals were like they were 50 years ago. But it doesn't matter if they're not. I have come to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble and problems, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You hear me? If he overcame the world, he's given us power to overcome the world in our life also. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Somebody help me preach right now. Somebody help me preach right now. We must have a move of God this summer in this house. The second principle that Elkanah lived by was simply this. God was his only constant. God is the only constant. He was his only constant. Everything else was not constant, but God was constant. 
There's nothing absolute in this world but God. He is our constant. He is the rock. If you want to know something about God, study rocks. Amen. James said every good. Say it with me. Every good and perfect gift cometh from the Father of light in whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. <sighs> There's not the least possibility that God is going to ever turn bad. He's never going to run out of time with us. He's going to be here for us. There's never going to be shelf expiration in his kingdom. He's going to be around in the midst of a changing world. In the midst of a world where you can buy a computer today, Dr. Allen, it'll be obsolete tomorrow. We must have something constant in our life. Old Faithful in Yellowstone erupts every 55 minutes. You can set your clock by it and be there and see it for yourself. The faithful God made Old Faithful. David said God is faithful. Jeremiah said in Lamentation, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And Jeremiah never had a convert. And he never could point to anyone and say, I want him to the Lord. Franklin Delano Roosevelt years ago during the Depression said, There will be a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. as before I was born. But I want to talk about two of my heroes tonight. One was the name, one had a name of Armitha. She was in her 80s when she died. I will tell you not how many years she was in her 80s because she might not like it even now. She battled cancer. It went into remission. She won. For two years she battled. She lost her hair but not her faith. In all her chemo treatments she never, never charged God or thought about leaving his plan for her life. And it wasn't cancer that took her, it was strokes that took her later. She died a with a series of many strokes. She was my hero. Now let me talk about another one. He was not 80-something, he was 20-something. In October 2003, he went through what many of us would never have the courage or fortitude to go through. Glioblastoma, cancer in his brain. When discovered, it was stage four, the worst possible. Four brain surgeries in three years. One here in Austin, three at Cedar sinai in L.A. And yet, he got his degree from college. He got a teaching job, but the greatest was that his worship in this house was never hampered. I got to preach to you. It never was stilted. It never was abolished. He never felt sorry for himself. He would stand right over here. He worshiped God till God took him. I can see him now right there with his hands in the air, praising his constant what, what America needs, Mr. Roosevelt, is not a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage, but it needs a tink and a Brandon in every church. Amen. I'm here to tell you, we need people this summer that will walk in the doors of this house and say, it doesn't matter what I've come out of. If I've come out of a fiery furnace, if I've come out of a den of lions, if I've come out of a horrible con conflict in my life, I will walk in this house and I will magnify the name of the Lord from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. I will praise him. I will praise him for he is worthy of my praise. Has everybody got involved yet or some of you just still watching those get on their feet? Everybody got involved yet? Are you clapping your hands out there like hummingbird wings? Come on. 
It's time this church becomes a worshiping church. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. The third principle that Elkanah lived by is that there was no alternative. God was his constant. There was no alternative. Everything in our world seems to have alternates. In the Olympics, there is an alternate. Miss America has alternates. There's four of them. There's five places that win. There's alternate lifestyles. There's alternate and substitute for the real thing. And even in church world, there are alternates, traditional services versus contemporary services, trying to find a worship service that will appease and appeal to the masses. But there is no alternate substitute for God's presence. Nothing will substitute for his presence. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, God said, there is no other gods before me. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent. If he, if, if he does not know another God, then there not, must not be another God. In John 6, Pete was asked, will you also go away when all those people left after the feeding of the 5,000? They walked away when Jesus started teaching. And Peter said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I'd like to declare that the Jesus I preach is the only one that has words of eternal life. David said this, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth and let my right hand forget its cunning. Now I want to tell you something, folks. I'm going to tell you something. I really enjoy golf. I really do. Not as much as I used to, but I enjoy the fellowship now more than I used to. I used to enjoy the competition. Now I don't compete. I finish last. That's not funny. I finish last, dead last, almost every time I play. Almost dead last. In fact, sometimes I don't even think I know how to spell it. I don't think I know how to spell golf sometimes, but I still enjoy it. But God has got to be above my fact that I enjoy golf. Many of you love to fish. You love to hunt. Women love to shop. But you've got to consider God above your chief joy. Whatever brings you joy in this world, God has got to be a step above that. So do you get excited when you go shopping? Do you say, mm, I found a bargain? <laughs> do you get excited when you sink that birdie putt? Do you get excited when you bring down that big buck or you bring down that cubby of quail? Do you get excited? Yes, you do. I think that God's got to be above that. I think the excitement level that you feel in the presence of God has got to be above your chief joy. Come on, clap your hands and say, that is what I've got to have in my life, Pastor. I've got to have God as my chief joy. I went and saw a fiddler on the roof several years ago, and Tevi, the fiddler on the roof, had four daughters, and they all married outside of his wishes. And finally, he says in desperation, I cannot go against my raisin. It would hurt my people. If I try to bend that far, I will break. But on the other hand, and then he stops and says, wait a minute. There is no other hand. Let me declare to this church, the principle of Elkina was there is no other hand. If he is God on Sunday, he's got to be God on Monday. If he's God in the good times, he's got to be God in the bad times. If he's God when you're up, he's got to be God when you're down. If he's God when you're sick, he's going to be God when you're well. Joseph said, when everything is good with you and well with you, remember me. And when the man got out of prison, he forgot Joseph. And a lot of us, when things are going good, we don't praise him. We don't praise him. But we need to praise him because he is worthy of our praise every time we arise 
he's worthy of our praise. Habakkuk said it this way, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Amen. Habakkuk simply saying, circumstances do not dictate my faith slash worship. My faith slash worship dictates my circumstances. Amen. Amen. There were two boys born. I'm not far from closing tonight. There were two boys born to Joseph in Egypt. The first he named Manasseh. Manasseh means he has caused me to forget the pain of my past. And then God gave him Ephraim. Ephraim means fruitful. And when Jacob, Joseph's father, came to bless those boys, Joseph did something unique. He put Manasseh, the firstborn, in his left hand to hold out to his father. And he put Ephraim in his right hand so that when Jacob laid hands, he would lay his right hand on Manasseh and his left hand on Ephraim. But Jacob fooled Joseph. The Bible said he crossed his hands. He blessed fruitful over forgetting. He blessed fruitful over forgetting. Some think if I can get out of my situation, then I will praise, I'll be fruitful. But God is saying be fruitful and I'll cause you to forget the pain of your yesterday. I want you to make up your mind this summer that whatever's bugging you, it's not going to stop you from loving God and being fruitful in your praise and in your worship. Come on, let God cross his hands. Hallelujah, anyhow. Hallelujah, anyhow. Hallelujah, anyhow. I used to have an old pastor said, that's how I get by all my problems. He couldn't preach. He really couldn't. I'd go to sleep in his services. But he had one saying that I always loved, hallelujah anyhow. Some of you need to get that ingrained in your spirit. Whatever's happening, hallelujah anyhow. Not anyhow, hallelujah. Put the hallelujah before the anyhow. And say hallelujah anyhow. Come on, say it. Hallelujah. I will praise your name. Hallelujah. I will magnify the God of my salvation. Glory. Naaman was a leper in Syria. And he came to the prophet. And the prophet said, you got to go baptize yourself in the Jordan River. And Naaman was a proud man even with leprosy. And he was looking for some kind of substitute river. The rivers of Abana and Farpar mean gold and descending But he had to go by the word of the man of God. And if a man of God ever speaks a word into your life and you know you've heard from the Lord, you've got to go with it. Don't look for a substitute. The Jordan River is where you're going to get your healing. No substitute. The healing was in the Jordan. The substitute rivers would refresh, but there was no healing there. Only in the Jordan would they be healed. And there's so many people that if you would just get a praise and worship vogue in your life, if you'd come out of your stubbornness and just start praising him. 
I don't know how to say it any better. I'm not trying to make this church shallow. I'm trying to get it deep. Because worship is what we're going to do forever in heaven around the throne. There were four and twenty elders around the throne that rest not. And they said, holy, holy, holy. There were four spirits around the throne that rest not. They say, holy, holy. Those elders take their crowns off their head and throw them at his feet and say, holy, holy. I'm telling you, if worship takes up 95% of heaven, we might ought to get in practice down here every now and then. We might ought to say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Glory, glory. You know what I'm reminding myself of? I'm reminding myself of when I used to preach this kind of stuff all the time. And people said, oh, Brother Rex is a worship preacher. I guess I forgot how to preach all this. And God got a hold of me this week. The Jordan is where our healing is, folks. Humble yourself and get in the river. I don't want you to leave and just feel good. I want you to leave cleansed and healed. A certain man taught me three principles. How to live above sea level. God is my constant and there are no alternatives in life. So the universe, one man said, is a lock safe with a combination on the inside. That's so wrong. God has a combination for you. It's called worship and praise. Because you're showing by your worship and praise your faith in a God that can do more for you than you could ever imagine by anybody else in this world. A girl, a little girl, wrote a letter to General Electric one time. She was in the third grade. And she had chosen to investigate electricity for her class project. She said, I'm trying to get all the information on electricity I can, the letter said. So please send me any booklet or paper you have. And would it be, would it be too much to ask for you to send me a little sample of electricity? We don't need knapsack faith. We need something that will hold us. And really, we need more than a parachute. We need a paraclete. Because a parachute will gently bring you to the ground. But a paraclete is something that comes alongside of the spirit. It will lift you to higher heights that you've ever known in your life. So we don't need a knapsack and we don't need a parachute. We need a paraclete. We need the presence of God in our services. People will yield to God when the Holy Ghost is in the house. People will yield to God when the Holy Ghost is in the house. And I, I, I want to prophesy right now, the Holy Ghost will be in this house all summer long. We will have a Holy Ghost move of God all summer long. Come on, clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. We will have a move. Doesn't this feel good? Come on, doesn't this feel good? It's not forced. This is not forced. Come on. Doesn't this feel good? Doesn't it feel good just to praise Him? Come on, just praise Him. Just honor Him. Just honor Him. Just honor Him. Just honor Him. Just praise Him. With my whole heart, I will praise You. I will give You my praise. I will give You my all. I'll praise You. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Remain standing. You're awesome people. Hallelujah. It's not time for knapsack faith. Glory, it's time for the real deal to be a part of our lives. 
And when a pastor sees that some things are a little slack in the congregation, he must come and preach the faith of God and the Word of God that will restore us to where we need to be. This church did not get here because I am a great theologian. This church got here because there's a passion of praise and worship that this church has always possessed. And we'll continue to possess it. And really, that's what you folks come for anyhow. That's what makes this church different. Because it is a church that still loves to magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will magnify his name. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Say it one more time. in right now, how would you handle him? Would you clap for him? Would you do that if he walked in the building tonight? If he rode in, would you take the garment going at his feet? Would you honor him? Would you give him a great entrance? Come on, let's praise him right now. Let's magnify him one more time. Come on, all over the house. I will magnify 